0: Welcome to Motherhood in Hollywood, episode 142. My guest this week is the star of the new film, Bernard and Huey. It's actress Sasha Alexander, and we are going to deep dive into all things independent films and mothers and women in the film industry and television industry. And I'm so excited to share this interview with you. So here we go. Hello, Mama.
1: Grab your popcorn and goobers, it's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect
0: mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts, here's Heather. Hey friends, I hope you're having a wonderful week so far. We have a great guest on this episode, Sasha Alexander. Now you might recognize her from shows like Dawson's Creek, NCIS, Rizzoli and Isles. She's also on Shameless. Well, she's here today to talk about her new movie, Bernard and Huey. She co-stars with Jim Rash and Dave Keckner who are very funny, very funny guys. I saw this movie. It's very interesting, very indie, and I am thrilled to talk with her a little bit more about it and have her share what it was like working on the film. And actually, we kind of talk a lot about independent films um, and where they kind of exist right now in the movie industry because it's so hard to get a movie made in this environment, in the environment of superhero movies and, you know, and sci-fi movies and stuff like that because – the action packed movies seem to be where the big box office blockbusters are and have been for some time now. And so it's very rare to have a truly independent movie made and, um, and do well. So I'm excited for you guys to hear more about what she thinks it's like working on an independent film like Bernard and Huey, which opens on June 8th. We're also going to talk a little bit about, Um, Her work in television and when she decided to become a mom, she's been a very successful actress for quite a long time. And it's never an easy decision then to um, introduce children into your life at that point because you just never know how the industry is going to react, how it's going to change your schedule, your life. And, um, I love what she says too about how her priorities changed. Um, so you guys were really going to love this interview with Sasha. So, uh, this week coming up, Hey, how are you? Let's talk about it. Let's get into it. This week on June 10th, if you're in the LA or Southern California area, come see me at the SoCal moms, great big family play day. That is June 10th. I'm going to be hosting it all day and I cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun. I'm going to have some wardrobe changes because hashtag Hollywood mom and and, um, it's, uh, there's going to be carnivals and games and foods and all kinds of, uh, fun happening. So come, come to the event, come say hello to me. I would really love to see you and meet you and, uh, we'll have a little fun. Bring the fam. Okay. And let's see. Oh, and Channing going to be, there's gonna be a fashion show, a kid's fashion show. And Channing is going to be walking in the fashion show. And I'm super excited about that. And what else is happening this week? I feel like there was something I was going to do. Oh, Channing is off for another week. Well, this last week we went, we did a little mini trip to uh, San Diego. We went to the San Diego Zoo and saw the Africa Rocks exhibit. That was really cool. If you guys get a chance to go see that, check it out. And um, we spent a little time at the beach. And this coming week, I want to take her to Disneyland because we have the um, we have the hashtag poverty pass we have the poor people pass um, because it's blocked out like for half the year so we can only go certain times so we're gonna make try to go to Disney before our pass blocks out for the summer so I'm excited to do that and then she goes into like a preschool prep. Um, No, not preschool prep, kindergarten prep. Um, She's done with preschool. So this is like, you know, our last summer together before like she starts her actual like education path or path to college and I'm really excited about it. I'm trying to come up with some fun things for us to do so if you have any suggestions send them my way whether it's arts and crafts things to do at the house uh, things to do outside or little trips to take let me know I'd love to hear from you email me heather at motherhood in Also, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to my show if you haven't yet. I recently switched podcast servers, so we're on a new server now. And just want to make sure we get everybody, all the subscribers, from one service to the next. So make make sure you're subscribed to my show is what I'm saying. And leave a review if you haven't left a review, if you're just... Uh, listening. If you're just a, a a creeper listening to my show and not leaving a review, how dare you take a minute and leave a review. I'd really appreciate it. And make sure you follow me at motherhood in Hollywood on Instagram and Facebook and at Heather Brooker to see all my funny tweets. All right, that's it for my mommy monologue. Let's get to the interview now with Sasha Alexander talking about her new movie, Bernard and Huey. Hello, Sasha. Hello. I am so excited. Hi, how are you? We've had kind of a, a busy day, the two of us. <laughs> I'm so glad we're. I'm so glad we're connecting and getting to do this. This is great. First of all, we'll just get right to it. Let's talk about Bernard and Huey. I watched it last night, and oh, yes. it, you you did such a great job. This is such an indie film, and I feel like I don't get to see a lot of indie movies these days. Like everything is so like. Marvel movie and superhero. And it's like, it, where are the indie movies? So it was really nice to sit down and watch a, a truly indie film.
1: I know. Absolutely. Right.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little I, bit about that. How, how did this come to be, uh, how did this come across your desk?
1: Um, well I got the script and I was familiar with the director, Dan Mervish cause he had started, you know, slam dance and he was like, he's been around, um, I knew him through friends at, uh, film school at USC. And anyway, I ended up in a meeting with him and I read the script and really just, I really liked it. I'm also a very big fan of Jules, uh, of Jules Pfeiffer's,
0: mm-hmm. the, ri- uh, the
1: writer, the, the actual, yeah, the writer of this, of the screenplay mm-hmm. who is, you know, a very big playwright and short story writer. And I had actually adapted one of his short stories as my main thesis project graduating from film school. Oh, wow. So, extremely familiar with his comedy and his style of writing. And Carnal Knowledge was also just one of my most favorite movies. And so I, I was just surprised to see a screenplay written by him and excited to talk to Dan about how he planned on, you know, on making the movie. And, you know, the film is, you know, it was written in the 80s, so it has this very, like, I want to say like, it's a very male point of view in a yeah. lot of ways in terms of dating and it could border on misogynistic and it can have, you know, it's very male. Yet when you look at it, it's the women in the story that end up sort of coming to the surface and being these very strong kind of rocks, if mm-hmm. you will, mm-hmm. and women who all quite different and colorful. And so we talked a lot about that and um and that was it Dan and I met and and he offered me the role and I was super excited because it was you know was shooting in Los Angeles and very indie style I think we had 18 days and oh wow you know we 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 had a great time they had a wonderful crew and wonderful actors and I think Dan really you know really made a great movie and when I saw it I was so it was I was so surprised at how much footage and how much stuff he got in such a limited time. Yeah. That's amazing. You can't do
0: anything in 18 days anymore.
1: (laughs) No, no. He cast the movie. I thought, thought just really well. And it was fun to see it play, like, especially at the festivals and everything. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's gotten a wonderful response. It's gone to so many festivals. Like I, I don't even know over 20 something now. I mean, it's crazy. So it's been, it's been going around for the last months and it's, it's wonderful. I'm really proud of it.
0: And now I believe on June 8th, it's having its theatrical release. Correct. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, I, when I was watching it, I just kept thinking, I've never
1: which, seen. by the way, sorry to interrupt you, oh, but okay. which by the way is, you know, really exciting because as you say, all these indie films just rarely even get that chance to be seen Right. And as, as an actor you know, I end up being very choosy with them because it's like, it's your time, but you want to put it into something that is either a passion project or something you really believe in, or something that, you know, you think is going to get out there and, and be seen. So, um, uh, so I'm, I'm happy for it, that it, that it has this opportunity.
0: Yeah. It was really interesting when I was reading about it, because as you said, this was something that was written in the eighties. So this script has been around for a while and um it is it does seem to initially be from a very male perspective Mm um but there are very strong female characters in there as well so it's just it'll be interesting to see how people receive it um in this age of comic book movies and giant you know juggernaut box office blockbuster Mm -hmm. kind of things why do you think that we see fewer and fewer Indie films like this being made like I know you've been in the industry for a while and you've seen a lot of projects, you know, come and go. I'd love to hear your perspective on that.
1: Well, first, I just want to say that even though our film was written back then, it has been, you know, uh, revised a lot (laughs) 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 of shooting. Um, Truly, uh, you know, it was really revised to make it more contemporary Mm -hmm. in terms of a lot of dialogue. And such. And also Jim Rash is, you know, an Academy Award winning writer. So <laughs> what a better, you know, no better castmate than to have someone like Jim in order to be able to work the comedy and the stuff to make the scenes um, mm-hmm. just more relevant today. Yeah. And how, do we, how do we, how do we do that? Um, I also want to clarify one other thing, which is when I talk about, and maybe we will talk about this more, but the female characters and the misogyny, misogyny in it, it was really interesting to see this film given on the heels of everything going on in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that, you know, kudos to Dan Mervish, who is one of the good ones, I like to say, and not is not just as, you know, as a partner in this film, but as just a human being and a man. Uh, he's someone who, you know, deeply respects the women in his life and the women he works with. And he cast intelligent actors and women who were able to dig under this you know may whitman and bellamy young and like he was able to and nancy travis we were all able to sort of bring a very strong smart female perspective to it and i think that that helped really equal equalize some of the themes so that we can sort of see it as this like you know these adult men still acting like children in some mm-hmm.
0: ways yeah no so, they, they are yeah, yeah
1: that in itself is relevant now. And, and that kind of talk and the kind of way. And so I felt like he really achieved that. Um, but to answer your question, you know, it's, it's interesting because I was just saying to somebody, you know, I've, you know, I've now I'm in my forties and I'm in, and, and I just never, I thought that, Oh, by the time that I, you know, reach 40, my, you know, that I don't know that one's acting at that time. Like that seemed so like old to me. And now, um, and that was, you know, as a 20 year old actress, mm-hmm. you know, I thought, oh, in 20 years, I mean, that's going to be, and now that I'm here, I stop and I look at the material that comes my way and the kind of stuff being made. And quite honestly, I feel that the stuff that I get to read, even though some of it is maybe I guess what I want to say is I find the material richer and more complex um now and
0: I like that. Are you seeing um, that in more in television or film? Definitely more
1: television. Yeah. What I will but I do see that the film stuff is expanding and that is in terms of the age of women. However, That said, when I see all these Marvel movies and this stuff, I feel like we still, and I don't want to pick on Marvel, but let's just say these action hero, save the world, you know, kinds of movies and superhero movies, I feel that they still stick to a very cookie cutter kind of um, uh, type. And, you know, why are they making it? They're making it because it makes money, because Mm. 15-year-old boys are going to Mm. see it five times. Yeah. the merchandise and because they buy the Legos and they buy, you know, that's why they're making it. I just wish that there was more of a balance. You know, Mm -hmm. it's sad to me that I have to watch European movies to see things about human beings. Like, you know, I see a lot of European film and a lot of, by the way, even film from all over the world. I just saw an Afghan movie and this movie that came out of, um, out of Romania that is really just about people and the stories of people and it's curious to me that in this country, we still choose to like kind of watch movies that stay on the surface of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so
1: when you see a television show, not even a movie, but a TV show like The Handmaid's Tale, which is pushing the envelope in terms of what we have seen in terms of performance and storytelling and so forth, you start to see that this, the business is really confused right now mm-hmm. because why can't we
0: have movies that go that deep? I think there's a fear that no one will go and watch them, you know? I mean, I think that they're like, well, uh, why would we invest in like a movie version of The Handmaid's Tale or or something like that? Um, I don't know. I think the movie industry and the movie executives want to play it safe and they want to go with this the sure bet, the uh, the action sci-fi, you know, genre. I
1: think think part of it too, Heather, is that, you know, the – things are so expensive to promote. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, making these big, big, big movies gives you more of a chance of really making that money back. Um, instead of, you know, making something that's a small character driven film, I feel like is, is harder to maybe to recoup. Um, also, you know, we're dealing with a lot with like who goes to the movies to support who. Mm -hmm. And You know, my husband is a filmmaker. He has so many films that are female driven movies. And I cannot tell you how hard it is for him to get one of these, you know, big named actresses to say yes. Or they say yes and they pull out and they did it. And it's like he's so frustrated because he's like, I don't get it. You know, we have all these actresses saying there's no roles for women. You give them one. And they don't want to do it because it's hard for them to leave their families and go shoot somewhere difficult or it's hard to this. And it becomes this conversation of – and, you know, why is it harder to make movies that star women as leads? Because women aren't necessarily going to support those films. Mm -hmm. So then you end up with a more male-driven kind of storylines. And a lot of those are this blow-em-up and, you know, action-packed and superhero comic book kind of stuff um it also just to me is a little bit it lacks um a certain creative integrity anymore because just going to that feels like we're just regurgitating the same stuff over and over like there's got to be some budget for making just a great move like a great movie mm-hmm. like where's the terms of endearment and where's the i know All the films that were like the movies that really shaped our lives, I I don't I don't see them so much anymore. Although this year, you know, again, it was an indie like Call Me By Your Name was a beautiful movie Mm -hmm. and Moonlight was a beautiful movie. Again, these were all independent films, though.
0: I think about, like, when I was growing up, I think about movies, this is so silly, but I think about movies like Shag and, like, Steel Magnolias and, like, movies like that that were, like, uh, a Mystic Pizza. For some reason the other day I was like, why have I not seen a movie like Mystic Pizza Um, that is just, like, about friendship and relationships and, like, there was no explosions and there was no, like, aliens or anything like that. They're just great movies and, like, resonate with, you know, a certain time in your life and, and that sort of thing. There's just no movies like that anymore.
1: I wish there were, you know, I mean, I think that that's what also attracted me to something as simple as Bernard and Huey is that it was just people. And you know, the way Dan shot it also stylistically was, you know, these long takes that felt like a play and it felt very, you know, seventies and kind of this retro feel to it that I just felt was like, Oh, how refreshing to actually just watch something and get to listen to the characters and the story without having something blowing up in my face? Like, why can't you see that? Um, You know, I I think a lot of it also has to do with the influence of technology in every aspect of our life. You know, you have kids that are on phones so early, and seeing all the stimulus that they go into a movie theater. And it's like, you always have to keep making it bigger and bigger and bigger. But the truth is, I think that's like one of the saddest things to happen to our culture and our lives in general is that everything has to be so much more bigger and bigger does not mean better. It does. You know, I wish there was a way for people to be able to, you know, make a cinematic movie the way, you know, we've seen some done. Um, but to, but to have it still maintain the characters and the story uh, you know, it being something that really is like, I don't know, driven by the character in the story and less the plot.
0: I would love to know a little bit more about what it was like working with Jim Rash, because I have never seen him in this type of role before. This seemed like a very, um, I mean, it wasn't a huge departure because you could definitely still see him in this role, but it was just a very different type of movie than I think people would expect for Jim Rash. And um, most of your scenes were with him, and I just would love to know what that was like.
1: I love him. If I wasn't <laughs> married, I would force him to marry me. Um, I love him so much. He is just pure joy on a stick. He's like a cake pop. Aww. That's what he. He is. Well, not only is he extraordinarily intelligent. Um, but he's extremely generous. And so I was just really grateful to work with, um, work with him and also with Dave Keckner, who I had done another film with called tenure with him and Luke Wilson some years ago. So I knew David and I knew what he was like. Um, but you know, both of these comedians are just great human beings. And so they approach the material with such a scalpel in terms of really looking at the comedy. Um, but not just like, not just like how they're going to hit a punchline, you know, Mm -hmm. and what that's what I mean by the generosity they both understand. And Jim understands being also a fabulous writer and director, how to, how to design the scene, um, in a comedic way, but to serve the story and to serve the characters. And so what I loved about it was like, you know, we had some time, some scenes that we were really pressed for time. And one particular scene where we got to a location and and it wasn't working how it was blocked. And so we had to just come up with it in the moment. And, you know, it felt very Woody Allen esque in the apartment. Like it just felt this kind of like we had to do one long take and we had to sort of figure out what action we can do to keep it moving. We were in a fight in the scene and how can we make that work within this hallway and in this slim little space that we had. And it was so much fun to do with him. Um, you know, he's, he's the guy you want to be in the trenches with, you know? So Uh like I said, not only, and also, and also very, um, very delicate about, you know, he's not, I find sometimes you can work with comedians that think that everything they do is funny and so they can kind of bulldoze over you
0: uh-huh. in,
1: in terms of like just being like, oh, no, no, that's like my moment and like kind of just eating up the, you know, chewing, chewing up the, the scenery. Scene. Yeah. <laughs> I I think you can see in the movie that he's not doing that. Um, no, definitely not. Yeah. He shares space with people. And I think that's what a great actor is, you know, is, is ultimately giving yourself to that story and to to the scene that you're in, not to into um, the other actor, into listening. It's not just chewing the scenery, and I feel like, or, or making it about you. Yeah. And I feel like one could think that, you know. So anyway, I'm, you know, I, I, think- I had amazing time. I, I, I simply loved him and, um, and he was just, he was just really, really fun to work with.
0: Well, you could tell you guys were enjoying playing off each other. That was was very clear. Oh, thank you. (laughs) It was very fun. I would love to know, you mentioned a little while ago, you mentioned, um, about how your husband was, um, trying to get movies made and reaching out to leading actresses and that sort of thing. And family was one of the issues that comes up as not, uh, or as being a reason why someone would turn a role down, or you know that sort of thing. You have been working almost nonstop um, <laughs> since you started in this business. At least it seemed that way to me when I was doing my research and reading more about you. Um, I would love to know when family sort of came into the picture for you, and has it been a factor in the types of roles that you choose?
1: Yeah, it has. It really has. And it, it is particularly right now, ever since Rizzoli and Isles ended. Um, I definitely have been, my children are now like my daughter just turned 12, my son seven. And you know, I feel I've always sort of shied away from doing like horror movies. I just personally, it was very hard for me to take something on and live with that kind of character and in that for a long period of time. I love thrillers and psychological thrillers, you know, and or movies that scare you without actually sh- showing any gore, you know. I yeah. love that, but but I kind of didn't, you know, do characters like that. Um, the other thing is too is I feel like it just has to be, it has to be material that. Um, I feel that I can always back up and live with and know that I chose that for a reason. Even when I did Shameless, I have nudity in it. And I had to think about whether or not that's okay. It's, is it okay when my kids grow up that they're going to see that? And the truth is, is that for me, for our family, I don't think that sexuality is something to shy away from. It's not something that I'm embarrassed of. Um, I felt that that was an empowering role. We rarely see an older woman with a y- younger man. And I, like there was a lot of positives and reasons why I chose to do that. But, you know, I do definitely uh, carefully look at things. And and first and foremost, from the standpoint of, you know, being an actor and an artist, like, do I want to embody that character? And then secondly, of saying, you know, is that something that I I can live with my family knowing exists and knowing they can watch one day or not, you know, or choose Mm -hmm. not. Um, But, yeah, it definitely plays a very big role in what I choose. Absolutely.
0: And then probably also the proximity of the location where they're filming, too. Like, do you, you know, want to go to... Well, maybe you do want to go to Italy. <laughs> I was just thinking. I was like, Where, "Where's <laughs> someone that sounds really far and exotic?" And I'm like, "Wait a minute, maybe you would love to go to Italy for like six months and film. Um, you know, I would I too. <laughs> do
1: I will do it um, if it's if it makes sense. Like, you know, if it, I don't mind going if it's a shorter term project. Mm-hmm. In shorter term, I mean anything from like you know." from one week to five months, six months, months—that's that I can do with. I think what's really hard is that when you sign on to a television show, it's a seven-year contract. Mm -hmm. So you jump into a series and you could basically say, what if this goes for seven years? Can I live with that? And does that work for my family? And I think coming off of Rizzoli and Isles and spending seven years there, um, I definitely feel more skittish about jumping into something unless it absolutely – I cannot say no. It's like the next step in my life and career. It has to check every box, you know? So for me to move to, let's say, Toronto to shoot a television show that's on a network that's 24 episodes that works 10 and a half months a year and make my family move to Toronto and then not see me at all because I work 17 hour days, that seems kind of like a really hard ask at this point in my life. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, but that's the reality of it, and so I just think that for me as well, um, I like jumping around and doing different characters and different roles. So, I'm playing it, you know, project by project. But yeah, my family, right? My family comes first. So i I definitely, I definitely am. You know. Take
0: that into consideration.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, of I course.
0: see. This is an interesting point to me because, like, um, like you said, there are, there are women who are, um. You know we're going through a lot right now in Hollywood in terms of women who are really taking control and trying to take back their their lives and their role and their um, you know stand up for themselves more and and. Then, on the other hand we we want all these roles, and we want all these projects to be about us, but at the same time, we still want to be able to be with our family and mm-hmm. um like you said, not have to move to Toronto and work seventeen hour days and never see our family and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, I always wonder like what is the what is the answer there? Is that just the nature of the entertainment beast like is it just always gonna be like this, or do we start insisting on shorter days or You know, other accommodations for people with families. Because not just women, it's men too. I mean, men also have kids that they should go home and see. (laughs) You know, like it's. And by the way, all the crew members. All the crew members, absolutely. (laughs)
1: I mean, how many people, I remember when I was working on NCIS, I was, you know, in my late 20s and I, I was the first time I was on a show for like a long period of time. And I looked around and I realized how many people were either single, families had fallen apart, on the verge of a divorce, never see their kids, don't want to see their kids. And I thought, I, I, I don't, I can't. I can't be this. I don't. I don't want to be this. And it wasn't just NCIS. It's every crew. Like you have to make a choice, and the business sort of forces that. I feel like now that we're having uh, the opportunity, to, to, like cable has opened up this concept of making less episodes. So if you make ten to twelve episodes, you're working three months a year or full time. That's more manageable. Like I for families, I think that we can do. I hope that the networks will also start to embrace doing less episodes because it's the long, long long-term nonstop that is, is, is truly a killer. Um, and it depends who you are in your life and how your family functions and works, but I definitely think it's hard on everybody. It's rather exhausting, but I'm hoping that now we have new models, um, happening throughout all of streaming and cable and everything else that there's more options. Yeah, I'm, I'm producing some projects and, you know, the ones that I would act in are definitely built to sort of say, Hey, this, this is designed for me to be able to really do my absolute best work and then be able to step away and Mm -hmm. my kids. And then, you know, that, that would be, that would be the
0: ideal. I think that's what a lot of women are starting to do. And I love that that's happening. Um, they're starting to go, wait a minute, if I'm in the driver's seat, if I'm controlling this production, then I can decide how many episodes we shoot or what this looks like and what my work day looks like. And so women are really starting to become the content creators and become the you know executive producers. And, and I love that. I think yeah, me too. That's, that's going to be a big part of the change too.
1: I hope so. I mean, listen, I think part of it is also how they make money. You know, the model of selling a series to a hundred episodes or whatever it is, that definitely is a model that was the moneymaker. You go into syndication and that's where they make money. So right. force you to get to that hundred as fast as possible. And that means by making 24, 26 of them a year, mm-hmm. um, nobody's really taking into consideration how challenging that is for everybody involved on the ground and in the production. It just became the way it is. And nobody's really stopped that train until we had these new cable models coming in and starting to make really, really great series and productions that are just less time. And if that model becomes the norm, then I think it's really more content-based and being able to say what's a great series and what's a great story and not worry whether it's six episodes or it's 10 episodes, you know, really is the story great, is is watching great. Um,
0: I love that. Yeah, that's, it's like the whole... There needs to be more of a shift in the focus of why we're doing this. Why are we making this show? Why are we making yeah. this series? Uh, is it to get to syndication or is it to tell a good story? Yeah. Um, and speaking of good stories, I would love to know, what are you obsessing over right now? What are you watching um, that's in your like Netflix queue or Hulu queue or whatever? Um, what are you? What's on your radar right now? Uh, Killing Eve. Oh, Killing Eve! I've I have not seen it yet, but I've had a few people tweeted at me saying, "Hey, you should watch this."
1: Omg, that I good! I'm like, totally blown away. Well, first of all, when we talk about female content, I mean, here's this a story about a woman, you know, agent who's tracking down a female cel- serial killer. So mm-hmm. we have these two women, Sandra O oh is one of them, and then we have her tracking down this other woman, played by Jamie Comer. I believe her name is Jamie Comer. I've never seen her before. She's phenomenal it's just so cool. The tone is dark, but funny, but offbeat and unexpected. I just I think it's I just wish I was on it. It's amazing. Like I'm totally into it right now. Um, You know, uh, I'm watching The Handmaid's Tale. I haven't finished this season. It's rather dark. Yes. Um, What else? What else have I watched? I love
0: that you also watch shows and you think, Oh, I want to be on this show. Like even like hugely successful stars still watch other shows and go, I really want to be on this show. I love that. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah, when you when you watch something that's like really unique and has a tone that you haven't seen, like I don't know. I find that I find that just I was just blown away. You know, I just really I really, really, really like it. Well, so I'm gonna you feel that way often.
0: I'm gonna definitely put that then like bump it up a little bit in my list of things to watch. I feel like I'm a little behind on things these days. Um, we took, my daughter and I took a little mini vacation this week, um, before she kind of starts her, she starts kindergarten in the fall. So we're doing, she does a little preschool prep this summer. And so I was like, Oh, we're going to take a little, little vacation before you get started and all of that. So, um, A sweetheart.
1: Yeah, Oh, I know. But- it's just the,
0: we're having the best time. Like this is just the best age. She says the funniest, most ridiculous things. And like, she's just so quirky and silly. And I just, I love it. I love it so much. Well,
1: I enjoy every minute of it. Cause I truly feel that no joy is greater than this joy of just these moments and these memories. And you know, I, if somebody had told me in my twenties, like I was not the girl that was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, not that I wanted a family and I wanted to have children, but I just, I was really driven and I was a hard worker and I had goals and I was like, I'm going to make this happen. But now I just feel like, you know, life is filled with so many beautiful things, but the truth of watching. Watching our children grow up and being able to be there to guide them and to be a parent is really the, the greatest, greatest gift. Like, it really is. It goes so quickly. Um, I feel like I was just holding my daughter in hand and taking her to, like, you know, kindergarten myself, and
0: it was, like, yesterday. It's crazy. Mm. I love that. I know. I just, I I feel that way too. Everything's sort of going by so quickly now. And I'm like, slow down, Um, slow down just a little bit. Uh, Well, I, I've truly enjoyed talking to you. This has been so lovely and I am really excited for everyone to see Bernard and Huey. It's going to be released in theaters on June 8th. And Jim Rash
1: Rash has a really good body in the movie, doesn't
0: he? He does. (laughs) I, I was like, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to make it weird, but I was like, "He looks hard
1: again, Jim. Do you want to take it off again?" Oh
0: my gosh! <laughs> like better so even than me. <laughs> so everybody, go see it just for Jim Rash's body. Just for Jim Rash's body. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Everybody, go and see it. It's a beautifully done independent movie, and um, I think you guys are going to love it, Sasha. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me
1: thank you sweetheart you're lovely thank
0: you thank you and I'm going to put up information about Bernard and Huey on motherhoodandhollywood.com as well as where you can find Sasha on social media so you can follow her and that's going to do it for me you guys I hope you have a wonderful week and remember I'm not a perfect mom but I can play one on TV bye (laughs) bye mama funny balls